Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're talking about diseases. Yeah, you look like a good person to go for to go to for this one, Nick. Um <laughs> Tell us about diseases. Is that, is that, well, I'm the only person who doesn't seem to have a disease or a broken limb or something. So, well, I, uh, I know. Peter seems okay. He's all right like for you. now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, until I break his arm again. Anyway, so the, uh, yeah, the it's the time of year, is, is it not, that people start talking about colds. Now, doctors will tell you that there's no connection between the temperature and getting colds. Mm. Uh, in According to doctors, and I'm not sure I believe this, but according to doctors, um, you're more likely to get cold in winter because you're more likely to be indoors and have the windows closed. And it means that you're more likely to catch diseases from people. But be that as it may, it is now the season to start talking about colds and flus. But more strategically than that, of course, we uh, there, there's been a lot of discussion about vaccinations. Uh, there's a big anti, anti-vaccination movement here and in the US. Um and uh and you, you know that that that's having there have been now we're seeing the first sort of outbreaks of, of measles diseases that have been long forgotten uh you know are now are now popping up again because of uh you know people not getting vaccinated and there's a lot of discussion online about you know whether this makes you immoral if you don't vaccinate your children there are certain people who can't get vaccinated and of course they're at higher risk as a result um and uh immunocompromised people yeah they they can't uh, they they sometimes cannot get vaccines for me- medical reasons and so we rely on herd immunity um and and so anyway is it is it the case is there a moral responsibility to get vaccinated um you know and at the other end of the scale do you have a moral responsibility to try and not spread your cold for example and and uh, is it fair as we often do usually in jest to complain that you've got someone's cold you've given me a cold mm. as though you're you're kind of re- a bit responsible for that um you know should should we should we stay at home when we have a cold for example to stop spreading it and to what extent can we be held you know morally responsible yeah. for our own diseases well let's start off at the lower end of the scale uh, peter what are your thoughts on this uh, well uh, the the one of the re- one of the reasons why you feel so crap when you have a cold uh, it is thought by some evolutionary sci- scientists that um your that's a your body's um part of the reaction is your body saying just stay inside so you don't spread it around you'll stay away from the rest of your family and friends and everything so you don't spread it around so it's sort of you've you've got a built-in mechanism that tries to prevent you from spreading it around yeah um uh but yeah um yeah how how much do people to blame for giving you a cold or how much you blame to for getting the cold given that given that uh being a bit hard line about this given that your immune system that getting a cold or not is linked to the strength and general health of your immune system which is by and large driven a lot by your your own personal fitness and health um uh and who who would argue against you being responsible for that so you know the fitter and healthier you you are the better your diet etc the stronger your immune system Mm. more or less most of the time so the less likely likely you are to get colds so you can't blame somebody for entirely for giving you a cold if if you're an unhealthy, gotcha. fat smoker who just 
who doesn't do any exercise ever. Okay, but what about um, so as was the case with me earlier this week? It, you know, this is quite um, timely because, as you say, it's that time of year, and most days on, of the week I'm on train into London. And I noticed this particular morning, I was just surrounded by these people coughing and spluttering. There were two people mm. right next to me having a coughing uh, contest. And, um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, I, I, I was just like, oh, God, just stay at home. But is, is, is that... And actually, these days, I don't, get, I don't get ill very much. I don't get colds. I used to get them all the time, and now I never do, really. Um, you may have developed, gradually developed immunity to more and more of them. Um, I don't know. I, I have a theory about this, which is... Just that when I was really unhappy and not very, um, you know, and quite stressed in my work, I got ill all the time. Yeah, could be. And and actually now I'm really happy in my work. Um, I I think that might be a thing. I didn't look into that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, these two people, I don't know, but then people feel this need to go into work. You know, you've got to be there. But actually actually maybe these are the worst kind of people who i saw on the train because i can't bear the people who either come into Hang work on, it or... sounds like you might be the worst kind of person getting maybe cross I... because somebody else happens to be ill <laughs> but, but like as though like as though they're as though their life should be driven by the need to stop you being maximally comfortable at all time well, yeah, you know? that sounds all right do you get annoyed because right. you get annoyed in case someone's sitting down because that's a seat you could be using <laughs> sometimes <laughs> yeah um no but I, what i don't like are the martyrs the cold martyrs you know and i've been on uh, on video calls with them and they're just there coughing and and everyone's saying oh you should just go back to bed and they're just like no, no i'm fine and yeah so but the, just shut up yeah, and but there's a yeah. bit of a myth there's a lot of a, a bit of a myth the common cold and the sort of mild flu type illnesses you get often by the time you exhibit symptoms like the coughing and spluttering you're already you're no longer um, you're symptomatic, but you're not. Uh, yeah, it's the previous bit that's worse. Yeah, you're you're not going to spread it at that point. Uh, okay. But also, the problem is malingerers, of which there are many. Yeah. People who immediately claim to have the flu as soon as they get a slight sniffle, and and, and you need who... to pr- you have you have an obligation, don't you, to prove that you're that you're ill. Yeah. So that's why you know being sent to hospital for some reason is great because it you know you then that, that becomes much harder to fake. I agree. Um, so I yeah, can, can we, I mean, so there's a sort of signal. Shall we step back element. and up from this sort of yes. money old man conversation <laughs> just for a moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I sorry, think yeah. with the the, Go the on, Peter the apor- the por- apportioning of blame uh, is a um, it, 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 within society and within societal groups is 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 a way of regulating behaviours. That's that's why we you know we sort of in order to comply with social norms or particular ethical frameworks so we we blame people for a car accident because we want to uh we want to pre- we want to prevent other members from the of the the group from from doing the same thing so we portion blame in order to try to control behaviors um but we but i think we 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 as a species are sort of um guilty of trying to oversimplify things, trying to make everything as legible as possible. And often blame is apportioned uh, neatly over fairly. So we're trying to find the mm. one person whose fault that accident was or that cold cold spreading was, when actually it's a much more complex combination of factors that, that caused that thing to, that, that event to occur. Yeah, you could think of, I mean, it's like if someone pushes me in a crowd and I push someone else, whose fault is that? the first guy so you know if if i'm just passing a cold on how is that my fault any more than it was the fault of the person who gave me the cold 
you know. But it's I, I think your fault if you go out and start. I, th I think that we're touching those on people. a few things. Yeah. So so actually that brings me on to this question before we talk about the wider case. Yeah. In any detail about about praise and blame, which are kind of social, uh, socially enforced, the legal side of things. Mm. So in, to what extent are you legally liable for diseases? Um, now it, in uh, here and the US, which is the only place I've looked at. It's only applies to sexually transmitted diseases. Okay. So you can you can only you you can give other people diseases, apparently to your heart's content. As far as I can tell, you cannot be convicted even if you've got Ebola. Uh, you I well, don't you probably think, can't go around injecting people. But I get what you're saying. Well, that would be assault, wouldn't it? And oh, and okay. the con any consequences uh, or uh, of of doing that would would be part of the consequences of your punishment. Okay. But as far as I can tell, merely being there and having a disease is not is not doesn't make you legally liable for things but having sex with people does and and so in in um in the us it's got to be intentional and reckless so you've got to know that you had the disease you have to actually intend as far as i can tell to to pass it on or at least do it in a reckless way so so and um it's what is not clear actually is whether or not it's consent can help you out there so if you say oh, i've got you know herpes and you then have sex with someone whether or not um they can consent to that it's a tricky one it's, apparently it's not totally legally settled and it's similar um uh, i think in the in the us uh, sorry in the uk um the criminality is about the is about the mens rea so it, it lies in your intentions and that's and and what you knew um so it's a tricky thing to prove but and I, and, and I think going back to what peter said you know the, the the to do with sort of being able to uh actually say yes it's that person is the ability to enforce to identify an offender and enforce it um you know relies on some sort of qualitative act which i think is why they why sexually transmitted diseases specifically are an attractive thing for the law because you can prove whether that's happened much more easily than just you know the fact that i stood next to you on the tube it's proves that thing. i yeah. that 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 you know i'm the person who gave you that cold can't necessarily be proved terribly easy yeah. easily um, so, yeah, I mean, it has happened that people have been so in the, in the U. it's not very common. I don't think it's very rare that this law is applied. But say in Oregon, uh, someone who someone who uh, had unprotected sex with um, uh, women when he was HIV positive uh, was was convicted of attempted murder, for example. Oh, wow. Um, and there's also I mean, you know, now I, I don't know to what extent this is sort of legal particularly, but uh, you I don't know if you've heard of Typhoid Mary. Mary Mallon was a no. she was a, a servant or a cook, actually, uh, in the early part, early 20th century, who um, was an asymptomatic carrier of of uh, of um, typhoid. typhoid. So she she and she affected about 50 people and three of them died. What, sexually or no, no. through just through cooking. So no, she just she was just breathing it? out typhoid. Oh, she just she just it, she just had typhoid and out it came wherever she went. There was t a trail of typhoid germs. Well, they named her correctly then, didn't they? They yeah. did, yeah. And she, she, uh, but eventually she was put in forcible isolation um, and died. She spent thirty years there and eventually died. Yeah, but she did. No, she did. It is pretty. Uh, it, um, it's pretty uh, unforgivable what she did because she was. She was. They identified it was knew. her. She knew. They identified okay. it was her. They said you're not allowed to be a cook anymore. And so she then uh, spent five years doing something else. Didn't like it and went back to being a cook. <laughs> So, yeah. So, so anyway, which I guess brings us on to that wider question of sort of moral responsibility. Exactly. This is what I want to come on to. Um, so, uh, well, yeah, let, let's widen it out. Um, are we sort of edging towards this question of uh, vaccines and so on? 
um, and this kind of moral responsibility. Uh, Peter, do you want to come in? Uh, well, just just to just to lay the ground foundation for that. So, vaccinations and other sort of mass public health interventions like that only work if a suitable number, a threshold of the population take it up. Um, and it doesn't require everybody necessarily. It depends on the depends on the how transmittable and how um, the properties of the disease, basically, as to how much what proportion of the population you need to vaccinate. Could be as little as ten percent for some things. Other things, which are more um, virile, could be you, know, you need to vaccinate up to ninety, one hundred percent of people. But you don't need to get everybody, but you need to get enough. So, uh, but it's one of those things that if ever, if enough people do it, everyone will benefit. Mm. Yeah, maybe indirectly, maybe you, maybe directly, maybe you won't get a disease that you would otherwise have got, or indirectly, society is just generally more healthy and therefore more productive, and everyone has a happier, more uh, rich life than they would have done. Okay. But it's something that everyone benefits from, but it requires people to voluntarily um, choose to to be involved in. So it's very, very vulnerable to the, a tragedy of the commons where people will go, "I don't like that. I don't like being stuck with a needle." So I won't, I won't do that. And you have therefore sort of taken yourself out of the pool of possible vaccines, um, and everyone will suffer as a result. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's uh, now. Look, I mean, I'm obviously about as far from being an anti-vaxxer as you can get, and the science is uh, pretty irrefutable. And I think uh, purely from an individual selfish point of view, the cost-benefit of getting a you know getting a vaccination is huge and everyone should do it there's no no reason there's no there is you know there is a there are side effects from vaccines but they're lower than the probability of dying of that disease you know so that's that there's a selfish argument for for getting vaccinated and and that should that should be enough to compel anyone there's no evidence of things like a connection between vaccines and autism having said all that so vaccination isn't it's not a legal obligation in the uk and i i'm not sure it uh should be i i think i don't think it's settled as far as i'm concerned that it is morally acceptable to force someone to have a medical procedure because of either benefits to them or benefits to um you know to others i mean it, you you know we there are lots of activities that are sort of risky uh you know to ourselves and others that we don't seek to ban legally um and and so yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's straightforward that we should make it uh legal a legal obligation but like peter was saying i actually think the the praise and blame the kind of argument of a marketplace of sort of moral ideas is a perfectly acceptable place to do it i think it's okay to shame people who choose not to get, not to have their kids vaccinated yes. um so I, maybe, I think i don't think it's probably i probably don't maybe. think it's okay to compel them legally to do it but i do think yeah. it's okay to shame them maybe but maybe we could compel them to wear black armbands so everyone can avoid them yeah could, i, I we think could paint we their front doors or something. green i think a lurid green with a biohazard symbol on it <laughs> yeah 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 no, but it, yeah but it, it, but in some it, yeah it's it's kind of demonstrated it's it's worth doing. We've eliminated. I mean, actually, I actually think that's a good idea. I think that's because you know the immunocompromised people are the people who need to know who might not be vaccinated. So actually, having some sort of if you you know if you're proud to be an anti-vaxxer, then wear wear the wear the green armband with the biohazard symbol on it just mm. for the benefit of other people. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why not? Oh, well, look, I mean, we can, like, we can herd them into ghettos and 
Yeah. I mean, so I, so I, I think, I think, you know, Peter's talking about the idea of praise and blame there being a kind of social technology for, for enforcing, um, you know, or getting, trying not to uh, have a tragedy of the commons. And I think that's, that to me is a really good way of thinking about what, what function those ethical judgments, um, uh, you know, have. And, and, and so then going on from that, it becomes plausible to think that actually our sense of how responsible you need to be or what precautions you need to take kind of depend on the various costs and benefits involved. So, um, you know, if the cost of taking precautions is quite low um, or if the cost, uh, you know, or, or the cost for prevention is quite low, then we might expect the sufferer to take those precautions you know if it's relatively easy if you look at you know sort of um in uh you know east you see those east asian surgical masks very common mm. on they? you see people wearing and that's that's so that people don't transmit diseases not them being paranoid of catching diseases it's people who have colds by and large oh is who it don't i want it. Yeah. the reverse yeah, yeah. so so now that's and now that i think there is a cultural cost to doing that in the uk which is that people think you're a weirdo which is not the case in east asia obviously um so you know that's a low cost way of preventing your disease from spreading and and i think i suspect it's the case that um uh, in east asia it, they would probably look down on you far more if you if you got on the tube with a cold mm. uh with a visible cold because you know it's not costly to just wear a surgical mask um but of course also the cost of the disease itself of how bad it is you know so you would might expect that the worse the disease is the more we would expect people to take precautions and so the more blame we would heap on them the more fatal the disease that they spread so i think we'd rightly have a bit of a downer on someone who knows they have a bowler and decides to go out you know to the pub um and uh spit in people's drinks for example uh so i think i had a look if you look at yeah, I'm, not gonna, I'm never gonna forgive chris rag for that but anyway. no, exactly if you look at uh you know if you look at so so the, the kind of prediction i suppose that comes from this is that you know diseases which are more virulent we would expect to be or which are easier to to prevent um and easier to know that you've got we would expect to to heap more blame on people and if you look at uh so you know looking at the diseases the things where uh, which are sort of right down on uh, on the uh how how deadly they are or how contagious they are and relatively easy to prevent things like the common cold uh up to the things like tuberculosis uh the the upper end tuberculosis and whooping cough and measles um where you know they're the diseases that we would we would you would expect on this model people to be uh you know most censorious about you yeah. know if you've got measles and you decide to go to a you know children's birthday party yeah well don't do that or a cystic <laughs> fibrosis conference or something yeah yeah if you decide to go to a conference of immunocompromised people <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway there we are yeah well, so look, i think that's i think you know the, the, what we're saying I, I what i guess i'm saying is that the law is a narrow very narrow uh, uh sort of application of this idea but that broadly yes i think it is right to to treat disease as a kind of moral thing and um and i think probably our intuitions are not bad at capturing you know the sort of costs and benefits involved yeah 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 uh, i think we've pretty much put that one to bed um with a hot sort of toddy or something um <laughs> um peter anything to add before we wrap up there's something i think i want to ask but i don't know if you've got anything to add at this point uh well i don't know if we want to explore uh the sort of the philosophy of blame a bit um 
something I find in, if you consider the world through a very sort of moral relativist lens mm. and you just consider that we're just a we're a bunch of like we're a bunch of particles kind of flying around and bumping into each other and things and occasionally those bumps cause harm to one or uh, both parties mm. um and yet we we um we feel great sense of guilt for particular kinds of actions and perhaps more so than other sorts of actions so imagine you're driving along the road and suddenly out of nowhere a child bump uh, jumps out in front of you you don't you don't hurt them very terribly, but you bump them and they're, they're hurt, they're mildly hurt, and they'll get over it in a couple of weeks. Mm. Compar- comparable level of damage, say, to a cold. Mm. Would you feel the same uh, level of guilt if you if you kind of knowingly went to a child's birthday and they got a cold probably as a result of you being there? Well, I don't think... I, to, no. me, uh, to me, uh, because it's so difficult to portion like, the blame... The cause and the effect is not so clear. Yeah, but... But yes, you don't feel you wouldn't feel quite as guilty. Unless direct, somehow. Well, then uh, what you're saying is that we ought to. I think that's a good good question. Um, but I'm not sure it's a comparable situation. Um, it, it feels to me like going to a ch- children's party in a way is worse. It's like you're drive you're you're driving along the road near a near a near a school or something. Which I guess might be might be what we're thinking about. Well, there's yeah, a bunch I'm of kids like floating about. The, 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 all the possible variables in both situations. If you if you're in the if you're probably a, a roughly about certain in each situation that you caused that child to have a comparable amount of suffering. Yeah, I think that's a faulty premise injury. though, because you wouldn't be so sure, right? Because with, when, if you're on a you know car or bike, whatever whatever the example was, it's really clear cut and it's mm. really quite definable what happens and to apportion that is really quite clear yeah so you're saying it's not a responsibility issue it's a a whether or not you can tell it was you yeah because if you if you think i've got a cold and i'll go to this kids party anyway i don't think anyone in themselves is as certain that oh i might pass it i won't i will and i I just don't think it's nearly yeah but perhaps we should be we should see them as similar like you know if it just because you know which kid you hit with your car but you don't know which kid you hit with your no, cold no, doesn't no, mean no. that you're let off the hook, I don't think. No, no, no. Because you say, well, we should, but no one ever would. You would never feel that same certainty. Um, you, it, yeah, uh, what I'm saying is maybe our intuitions about physical damage have not have evolved in a way that make them very immediate to us, but we haven't evolved intuitions about disease transmission in the same way right. because the germ theory of disease is only something that we have understood in the last couple of hundred years. So a thousand years from now. So I'm agreeing with Peter. Shouldn't. Well, I'm just saying, you know, it's worth considering. Well, actually, maybe we should see it in that, that light. Yeah. We should think about passing a cold on as a bit like bumping into someone in the street. I don't think so. It's, I don't know. It just doesn't... It just sounds like a lot of sort of worrying over nothing, to be honest. But um, Classic Fraser response. Classic Fraser response. But, <laughs> yeah. but by yeah. the way, I just want to sort of hold my hand up, my damaged hand. Because this is exactly what happened to me recently, which is I had to. Yeah, enough about you. Um, <laughs> but the but, but the but the but the point is that uh, you've got to you've got to bear in mind, Fraser, that we're we're all relatively healthy. We don't yeah. may not look it, but you know we're lucky. We get over a cold quite quickly. But there are some people who are simple cold will actually kill. Uh, well, I've not been to any kids' parties recently where someone's going to die because yeah, oh yeah, it... kind of makes me think of um, the responsibility we might have about allergens and stuff. You know about whether or not we have a moral responsibility to make sure, for example, when we're cooking for people, that none of the... Do, do we, are we responsible for making sure there are no allergens in that food? Or is it the responsibility of the sufferer to uh, to to avoid them? 
you know and i think i think like all these things this is about the decision about where to apportion blame is in some ways is like an economic um it's a bit like whose fault is pollution you know who's responsible for that is the person who's suffering you know and and actually we're in a gray area where we haven't really decided who's who owns that disease Uh, so you know it's a sort of coast theorem situation if we if we could decide who owns the disease um, then, then you you know you could be properly compensated, and 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 then I think that would sort of do away with this slightly messy praise and blame situation. But I, I mean, I, that's obviously not going to happen. But uh. okay, I, well, I think we'll wrap up there then. So um, thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrew. Um, I've been here with Peter Cockhill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>